XO number seven, the grab bag. I started doing these little short episodes of XO. I just was gonna call them interludes and each one was like 10 minutes or less. So I'm thinking of this like it's one of those surprise bags you could get when you were a kid. I remember at the convenience store by my house, they had these surprise bags that initially were like 50 cents. And I think kind of the idea was it was going to be kind of full of shit and you sort of knew it was going to be full of lame junk that you didn't want, like just cheap suckers and trading cards from obscure weird sets that nobody cared about and just, just strange shit. But you were probably going to get a little more than 50 cents worth of stuff out of them. And then I remember they went up to like 75 cents and that was still pretty cool. But once I hit about a dollar, I just remember buying one that had like three things in it. And I was like, man, I spent a dollar on this? This is fucking lame. And that was the day that I grew up, the day I became too old for surprise bags. Although if they still had those things, man, fuck, I would buy one this second. And shit's just fun, you know? That's the magic of the grab bag. Telephone. Hello. 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 <laughs> What's that card for? This was an old TV show called Alf. Oh. A L F. Alf. And he's this. This is him. He's from another like planet, and he likes to eat people's cats. <laughs> when I was a kid, this show was really popular. But then they canceled it because everyone was like, Alf, why are we watching this? This is, doesn't even make sense. No, it really doesn't. Where do you keep your casserole dishes? Why? The cat won't fit in the toaster. <laughs> This is like a phone. Sorry, Let me phone. see. Let me see. Is that a real one? It's like a military thing. Hello. I mean, it's pretend it's you, Keith. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, who's this? It's Allie. Well, who's Allie? How'd you get this number? <laughs> I know you. You're just down the road. You're in front of him. I'm oh. Oh, Allie from Armando. Yeah. How are you? Good. Cool. So, what you up to? Oh, here's... There's a pop bottle here, and I wanted to know if you wanted some pop. What flavor? Coke. I only like pineapple pop. It's actually pineapple pop. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, then I'll have some. Here. Oh, but you're handing it to me through the phone? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. The pop came right through my phone. Cool. I'm going to open this up. <laughs> that was pretty good, but that was Coke. You said it was pineapple. I did, yeah. <laughs> ah, well, it still tasty. I was thirsty. Thank Bye. you very much. Welcome. Bye. Bye. I'll call you later. Hello. Hello. Can um, 
I come over. Ah, is this Allie from Armando again? Yeah. Cool. Can I show you something? Can I come over? Sure. I just found ten cents. Can I have it? If you come over, sure. I'll give it to you. Oh, I'm coming over. Why don't you give it to me through the phone? Oh yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it in my toy chest. Oh. So you can have it. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Okay, I'm on my way. <laughs> Hello. You Look gotta, at my necklace. You gotta knock on my door. I'm just oh. Person. <laughs> knock, knock. knock. Uh, who is there? It's Allie. Allie from Ormocto again. Oh, yeah. I forgot already. <laughs> I'm old. I don't remember very good. You're not very old. Old. That's what it looks like. How old are you? 300. No, you're not. I look pretty good, right? For 300? Not for not for real. <laughs> no. How old are you really? I'm 30, really. 30? So just yeah. say I'm 30. Uh, okay, I'm 30. You got me. <laughs> Here, I'll open the door and let you in. Thank you. Cool. So is that your new necklace? Yeah. Nice. I made it. Sweet. It's pretty good. Place? Pretty much. Love Lost at Bible Camp. Jerry Holkins does a comic strip with his friend Mike Rahulik called Penny Arcade. In one of their collections, called Birds Are Weird, Jerry has a little story about when he used to work at a call center. And it's kind of a sad little tale. And it... My cat's meowing, he's fucking things up. Okay, so here it is, the story of the call center and love lost. The reason people work at those places is because, no matter how bad things are, even if a meteor penetrates North America and night falls on the earth for the last time, these calling centers will still be hiring. It follows then that they're also always firing, but we'll get to that. The first thing I had to sell was a service from US West. See, they'd sold us thousands of unlisted numbers, and they wanted to sell these people a service that kept telemarketers from getting their number. The customers were often incoherent with rage, betrayed. It was as though I had called a bear. It had just occurred to me that death might be the answer when I was sent to the copy room to get some, I don't know, copies of something. One of the managers was in there already, Marie, and I didn't need to see the name tag because I had already loved her, desperately at Bible camp. I believe that I was staring at her. At least, that may have been the manifestation on this plane of existence. But at a level undetectable by equipment, I was communicating data, years worth, 
exquisitely compressed. I wanted to cry, I was so glad I'd found her. Turns out, she'd been in the copy room. To explain, I need to let you in on some of this Bible camp action. Bible camp is pretty much like every other summer camp, except they have a special guest, Christ Jesus. Certainly the activities were Christ-centered, even soccer. But in practice, what it does is add even more drama to a demographic with no shortage of it to begin with. Now, instead of you meeting a girl and it just being regular old, run-of-the-mill destiny, now a divine hand was at play. The architect of being had invented this union. Many churches used the same camp. They owned it, actually. And so you saw a lot of people you might not have encountered otherwise, even at the multi-faith Halloween alternatives. Everything takes place in a religious context at these things, and so it seemed plain to me that Jesus wanted me to spend a lot of time with girls. I was happy for the help because, let me tell you, I had already exhausted the supply at my own church. It may be difficult to imagine it, but I was considered somewhat weird. I don't recall exactly what church Marie was from. The thing I liked best about her was that she wasn't stupid. Like many geeks, I'm used to excluding 50% of my vocabulary when I talk to people, and it was no different at Bible camp. But she knew what I was talking about. We reminisced about our favorite logo programs, microzine, and how many daughters you could lose to cholera traveling the Oregon Trail. We saw the Oregon Trail heaped high with discarded daughters, the road itself a valley cut between the pile of dead girls. It was standing room only on the bus back from the lake, and holding the railing overhead, the jostling of the bus put my arm around her. I swear, I didn't do it. It was as though God was winking at me. The next night at dinner, they had a chastity dance, where they chose your dates based on what they claimed was a complex computer algorithm, when in reality they just watched who you ate lunch with. When our names were announced, we just smiled at each other. Of course, it is right and proper that our names should be spoken together. It's everything up to this point that was wrong. The last night, the rest of the youth groups from all the churches came up for a final revival whatever thing. Marie's actual boyfriend came up too. Vaughn. Just as the man who is gut shot is made instantaneously aware of previously unknown internal geographies, it became suddenly clear that there was a vast expanse in me, a region, a continent, Perhaps even a universe that could contain a truly stunning volume of pure pain. She squeezed my hand in the prayer circle, and we looked at each other while Vaughn's head was bowed. My hand started to hurt with it, actually. But I understood that she was deploying a form of compression. She was trying to communicate something. I got the message. 
They record every call you make at these telemarketing places. Because when you're calling people on behalf of another company, they obviously want to be sure that you aren't telling people that US West would like to pee on them. Or interesting trivia like fortune cookies are actually 90% rat. You stick to the script on the screen, and you don't deviate from it. As it turns out, I wasn't really cut out for this job. I would sing a lot in between calls, and that's not okay. I wasn't necessarily quick on my feet either when people would deviate from the scripts. Also, I completely fucking hated it. So when Marie called me into her office and started playing the tape of my call, my humming somewhat off pitch, I sort of understood why she might be doing something like that. What I didn't understand was how such a contrived cheap shot would make it into my life. She had absolutely no idea who I was. She made it clear that though I could still work there, she really didn't want me to. That was fine by me. But it worried me. If I turned in some videos late, would she just appear at the Blockbuster and revoke my membership? What if I handled a cantaloupe somewhat roughly in the produce aisle? I was afraid she might now be my omnipresent nemesis. You can read Penny Arcade comics at penny-arcade.com. The Bachelor Frog. This is a meme that's been floating around the internet. Basically, it's just a picture of a frog, and then he dispenses the wisdom of the bachelor. Any dudes out there living on their own? Maybe you'll recognize yourself in his sage words. Chips and salsa for breakfast yesterday. Out of chips. Salsa for breakfast today. Take a shit in the shower. Stomp it down the drain. Shoot come and miss tissue. Ah well. Tell people white spots on pants are toothpaste. You don't own toothpaste. Family coming over. Fuck. Nothing to clean your jizz with. Here, kitty kitty. No toilet roll. Sink bidet. Remove large chunk of skin from finger. 
Looks tasty. Pee and cat litter. Just because. Shampoo Tide Cook dinner Add a can of corn Dirty clothes pile Elbow drop on it Too lazy to wash dishes. Throw them in the trash. Need to fart in shower. Sit down to amplify. Jerk off on the couch. Dog watches. Wake up in living room. Is the sun coming down or going up? Halloween. My friends and neighbors, the Hardings, are not home for Halloween this year, so they asked me to come hang out at their house in case any kids come by. We never get that many kids in our neighborhood, like three or four, five, you know, sometimes none. Even when I trick-or-treated, uh, I only trick-or-treated in our neighborhood when I was real little. Once I got old enough to go, like you just gotta go a little ways up the hill and everybody's way fancier and more suburban and uh, you get way better shit. So at 6.11 p.m. I got my first kid. This kid was dressed up like a drifter, like a hobo. 
if it weren't for the fact that he had a dad watching him from the uh, sidewalk, I would think maybe he was actually a homeless child. I don't know that he really knew the uh, decorum. He didn't ring the bell or knock on the door, he just sort of stood in front of it, but I could see him through the weird stained glass. And then I opened the door and uh, not so much a trick-or-treat as a, a vague mumble. But I figured, hey, what if this is the only kid? So I gave him a bunch of stuff. I gave him like three mini arrow bars, three mini coffee crisp bars, a bunch of these like chocolate eyeballs that uh, Mrs. Harding bought. Which I was thinking, that's pretty good, you know? When I was a kid, everywhere you go, you just get one little thing. You're lucky if it's even a chocolate bar. It's probably a fucking sucker or some shit. But after he said thank you and left, I was like, man, I should have given him even more. I just found there's also like a bag of Mars bars here I didn't notice initially. Should have given him like nine chocolate bars. Six forty-one. Still no sign of any further life. Seven p.m. No more kids. I can only stay till about 8.30. I'm going across the river to see my friend Brad do a performance of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. In a way, I wish I could stay a little later just in case I catch a straggler or two, but really, who the fuck am I kidding? There's probably gonna be no one else. See, you have to learn, Keith. Don't tie your self-esteem into things that you can't control. Don't tie your self-esteem into comments from people on the internet. Don't tie your self-esteem into shitty kids that don't want your fucking candy. I just want to give you free candy, you little fucking shits. What, is my fucking candy not good enough for you? Huh? You don't want my fucking candy, my fucking house? That's not even my house isn't good enough for you? You fucking little bastards. Next kid who comes to this door, egg in the fucking face. Bam! Fuck you! How do you like that? Ruin my goddamn Halloween. Am I supposed to eat all this f Ah, wait a sec. I can eat this fucking candy myself. Oh, fuck those kids, man. Need an arrow bar. Seven oh five. Discovered Drambui. Not really sure what Drambui is. Gonna check the internet to see what this shit mixes with. Only computer is downstairs. Can't find light switch. Too scared to go down there. Afraid of ghosts. Just gonna try mixing the drambuie with my coffee. Found some rum in the freezer and some of those little half-sized cans of Coke. Made rum and coke. No longer afraid of ghosts.
There is something vaguely gross about rum and coke, but I always really like it at first. The smell of rum and that first taste, it really brings back some memories, because the first time I ever got really, really drunk wasn't until I was like 23 or so. I was still living in my hometown, and uh, I was living downtown, close enough to where all the bars and stuff are. Everything was in walking distance. I went to see a friend of mine, Cora, who had a band, and I uh, was watching, went to go see them perform. And I drank something like 16 rum and cokes that night, and I'm sure at least a few of them were doubles. And I ended up making a total ass of myself in front of all kinds of people. And then I woke up the next day just feeling great. Didn't remember a single dumb thing that I did. Until all of a sudden, a bunch of it came back to me all at once. And it was like a gong in my head, just like, boom. Like, do you remember all that stupid fucking shit you did and all that ridiculous stuff you said and what a fucking dickhead you were and what a fucking asshole? And I felt pretty bad. I was like, oh god, that was fucking terrible. I can't believe I did that. Never gonna drink like that again. But then I found that as I uh, crossed paths again with everybody who I uh, ran roughshod across that night and uh, apologized to them, we practically didn't even get it. They're like, yeah, man, whatever. It's cool. You were just drinking. That shit happens. Fuck it, man. Relax. 8.15. Almost time for me to jet. Safe to say, nobody else is showing up. I just lit a match and then watched it burn all the way down to the bottom. I think that's a good sign that I'm getting bored. You know what's another thing? Is like, the way the walk to this house is lined with pumpkins. So we're talking... One, two, three, four, five, six, like 12 pumpkins. And they're all still just sitting here, totally untouched. Not only is there not a lot of kids that uh, swing by, not even a lot of delinquents to come smash the pumpkins. Smashing pumpkins, man, come on. Do you think the Hardings will feel bad that like, nobody even smashed their pumpkin? Should I just like fucking smash a pumpkin? Would that be the sensitive thing to do? Nah, I'm not gonna smash no pumpkins. Hello, there's nobody home right now, so please leave a message. Thank you. So cool up, this is where things get interesting. She reaches her hand down into her pants and I'm thinking, what is she getting? Well, it turns out she's getting her fist. Then she leans back and cranks me from deep in the cellar. Then she spurts these enormous bat wings and I scream, ye gods, the Nosferatu. She jumps on my chest and turns my head into a McRib sandwich. So dude, I'm lying here and I'm thinking all the things that could have gotten me. Water spouse, rodeo clowns, Florida, pesto. And it turns out to be death by love at first sight. Crazy life, brother.
polite dance song. Ah, I remember those days prior to medication. Nary a day went by when I didn't want to do nothing, despite the double negative. Except stare blankly at the dusty ceiling overhead as I lay on my queen-size mattress with my blankets and teddy bear. Or stare at the back of my eyelids. It's not that I wanted to die. Suicide was never a consideration. It's just that I wanted to do as much of the opposite of living as I could and cut off the part of my soul that was killing me slowly. In an ideal world, your doctor or your mom would warn you ahead of time, tell you to hold on because next week or the week after that, you are going to experience a thing known as depression. One day, you're normal. And the next, you are not. Without any forewarning. It's as if some evil genie mysteriously casts a spell on you. And when you're depressed or apathetic, or whatever you want to call it, normal is a difficult concept to recall. You don't have the insight to define it or imagine it, even though you've experienced it in the past. It goes something like this. You feel your will sliding down in your mind slipping away while you're dusting the mantle in your robe and slippers. Every ambition you might have had that day gets translated into a certain kind of tiredness. And all of a sudden, you just want to lie down because everything is just too heavy. The dishes remain on the counter. Your homework remains a blank piece of paper and the dogs just look at you, waiting for their pets. But, no matter how hard you try, for anyone's sake, you simply cannot do it. The normal optimism from your soul drains away, and you are left with apathy for a petting companion. And the worst part about being depressed is that you know you were once normal. You had goals, you exercised, you made friends and went to tea parties or sold Avon. What happened to you? Do other people feel this way regularly? How does anyone get anything done? Those men and women who have children, work full time, go to school and keep their house spotless. You might start to think that you're just lazy and immature and that you're making excuses not to do your chores. 
You think that maybe you're just getting old, or you have some kind of disease like Lyme disease, chronic fatigue, or mono. The doctor tests you and comes to the conclusion that it's time for anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication. After many more tests and possibly years of denial, you decide that he might be right. So you get the script and you take your first pill. Now it's time to wait for the stuff to slink through your blood. What do you do in the meantime? I don't know. Kick a can. Kick your cat. Kick a garbage can. Kick a wall. Kick a person. Kick the shit out of everything. Kick stuff till your fucking foot is a bloody stump. EXO EPISODE 7 THE GRAB BAG For more episodes, please go to keithcourage.com